We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Did you request this? Yeah. I did it. Oh, I should have turned down the volume of my headphones. <laughs> Someone uh, tweeted me and made reference to my former station. Or not former, I still work there. But I was going to say, my other station. I don't know. Yeah, I know. My other station. And then we play this song coming out of the commercial breaks. <laughs> this is great. This is adding fuel to the fire, my friends. <sighs> Bears week. Bears taking on the Packers this Sunday. It's going to be a good one, man. Who are you excited to see not named Justin Fields? That's a great question. Thank you. I think I'll give you two answers, one on both sides of the ball. All right. I like it. On offense, I am excited. Excited. Not who I want to see. I'm Mm. excited to see DJ Moore. Okay. Yeah, I want I want to see a professional wide receiver, mm-hmm. and I've seen it in Spurs and got a couple plays, but I'm talking about where we're like, oh, this is this is my guy. Yeah, like I, oh my god, like, like how, do you have a special talent? Like yeah. Darnell Mooney's a good football player. I love Darnell. Mooney. Darnell Mooney's not a special talent. At that I position. want. I remember watching Jordan play and watching him hit shots and just being like, oh my. god. God, how did that go in? Uh, right, right. I want to watch DJ Moore and be like, "Oh my God, I can't believe he caught that." You know, right. like that yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah, so that's what I'm excited to see on offense. Defense. I am most excited. Like, who do I want to see? Tremaine Edmonds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like most that. excited about that because, you know, it's easy to fall in love with guys like Jack Sanborn, right? Whoever's playing that 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 role of, you know breaking up runs, tackles for loss, that kind of stuff. And to be told that there is now an upgrade from what was last year. I want to see what the I want to see where he fill, where he fits or where he ends up in the in the space between Jack Sanborn and Roquan Smith. <laughs> like where if yeah. that's a meter. Uh-huh. Where where are you at? Is in he that more meter? Sanbornian yeah. or more Roquanian? Like which one is he? From? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's me. Uh-huh. How about you? Um, I, I love that you mentioned Tremaine Edmonds. I, I'll give you my guys in a moment, too, because he's a guy who they went out, they paid big money for him, and he certainly had, has a resume and a physical profile that, that would seemingly be worthy of the big contract. But they, they made a defined decision to choose Tremaine Edmonds over Roquan Smith. That's essentially what this comes down to. Now, it was Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, so you get the combination of the two for the Roquan money, essentially. So, in theory, that is financially a sound decision that was made. But Roquan Smith is a better football player than either one of them. No one's And no one would argue against Not that. Well, you would hope so, because if they did, they'd be wrong. But if we see the best years of Tremaine Edmonds, there, there's ascension that I would say would be necessary for Tremaine Edmonds to, to even reach Roquan's status, if not go beyond it. And his stature as a linebacker, like just the sheer size of Tremaine Edmonds Six, five, as a linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I was describing Ryan Deem. He's basically Ryan Deem as a linebacker. Fast. Yeah, just a fast version of Ryan Deem. As a, if anybody can, uh, who, if you're on the app, run it back. Uh, you'll <laughs> figure out who Ryan Deem is and the story I just told about him a few minutes ago. But having that 
you know, Erlachian kind of size and athleticism at that level of a cover two base sort of defense. That's huge. Justin Fields even talked about it on the practice field, just how difficult it is to throw the football mm-hmm. around someone as massive who can cover the space that Tremaine Edmonds can cover. But in the end, deflecting passes, you don't pay a linebacker that money to deflect passes, to like close a throwing window on a quarterback. You right. play, pay him that money to make plays. Tremaine Edmonds has not been a guy who's been an exceptional like splash playmaker in his career with like big sack numbers and big interception numbers and you know huge forced fumble numbers on an annual basis. And not every off-ball inside linebacker is that. But by comparison, if that's why Roquan didn't get paid, you're hoping that he can become that, like a splash playmaker for you on a consistent basis. So I think that's that's kind of an underappreciated storyline going into this season. Is Tremaine Edmonds, is he, is he San Borny? Where he's he's going to make a bunch of tackles and he'll be in the fray? Or is he going to make game-changing plays? If he's a guy who makes game-changing plays and enters that space in his career where Tremaine Edmonds is now – taking the ball away from an opponent and just looking like one of the best players on the field, not just one of the best athletes on the field or one of the most capable players on the field, but just consistently being someone who can take a game over, that will be huge for the Chicago Bears because it's a sound investment right now. And strategically, it makes all the sense in the world. Now, just like we were talking about with the Cubs earlier in the show, like putting Cody Bellinger on a prove-it deal made all the sense in the world. But now you're seeing a guy who's, reclaimed an MVP status in his production. And so that proven investment has now paid off, is in the process of paying off for the Cubs. Now, I don't think whether or not the move made sense should be evaluated in retrospect. It made sense to do what the Bears did with Tremaine Edmonds. Now we hope it pays off in actual production. So I'm glad you mentioned his name because it's going to be worthy of watching that from him. Is Tremaine Edmonds going to be – a guy, is he going to be an above-average player? Or is this going to be one of the best linebackers right. in football? He, it, It'll be great if he becomes one of the best linebackers in football because that's the type of money that he just got paid, and they chose him over one of the best linebackers in football. The guys I'm, I'm excited to watch, we take yours off the table. Tremaine Edmonds, I think that's a great choice you make there. Jalen Johnson, who we've talked about a lot over the years here, Talking about someone who needs to go to another another stratosphere, take take that next step as a player. He's an exceptional cover corner. Can he become a true playmaker, someone who takes the ball away from the opponent, whether that is just by enhanced aggression, like going for interceptions? And that, that can be a, sort of a, a tenuous kind of thing because one of the things that's made him so technically sound as a defensive back is because he's kind of always in position to make sure his guy doesn't catch the football. But... Is he going to be a guy who tries to bait quarterbacks more frequently? Right. And, and as he does, is he going to be capable of driving on the ball and taking it away? Because he's never been a guy that struck me as someone who's incapable. Like he, he doesn't have bad ball skills. He's just not usually, whether at the collegiate level or at the professional level, he's just not normally in position to intercept the pass. He's not one of these guys who takes chances and drives on routes and is in position for a pick six. He's not one of these guys who plays just off enough to try and bake the QB into throwing it and then trust that he has that makeup speed to drive on it and take it away. So, you know, you can either try and bait a QB and kind of leave a little more space between yourself and the receiver to see if you can force him to throw it and then maybe you get that interception. Or you can say, I'm going to guess right on occasion and just see if I'm willing to go make that play as opposed to just being in position for a deflection 
Now I'm in position for an interception. And some guys just have a better knack for that than others. So Jalen Johnson has been an exceptional corner throughout his young NFL career already. Is there another gear that he can go to as a true playmaker as opposed to just being a guy who folks don't want to throw it to him? If they throw it near him, he's deflecting the pass and kind of knocking it away. Yeah. Does he have that, that Eddie Jackson in him? Like, you know, Eddie Jackson, if we've seen nothing else in his career, he got back to it a lot last season before he got hurt. Being a guy who can just go take the football away, who just has that knack, that intuition for when I can poke a ball away, when I can go pick a ball off, or even if somebody else knocks the ball away, just to be the one who's around it, to scoop it up and try to do something advancing it. Some guys have that knack. Eddie Jackson has always had that knack. Jalen Johnson hasn't, at the amateur or the professional level, been a guy who just is taking the football away from the opponent. But that's what the top guys in the business do. So I watch him closely and he's going to be trying to get that money. That. So I'm most, he's most certainly going to be trying to take the ball away this year. Yeah. Uh, other side of the ball. Offensively, that. Tyler, we're coming to you next. So get ready, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Please get ready. I mean, the, the, the offensive line is boring, but the, the tackles, each of the tackles, Braxton Jones mm. and Darnell Wright, and especially against, you know, with Preston Smith on one edge and, and uh, Rashad Gary off the other edge. This would be a nice test for these young offensive tackles. If you got two healthy Packers pass rushers, who are bearing down on Justin Fields, and if the Bears are in some positions where Fields going to have to hold the football on the occasional third and long, how are these young tackles going to hold up? We want to see Braxton Jones develop in that regard. You want to see whether or not Darnell Wright, as a top 10 pick, can show himself capable of doing that. And there, There's going to be some times where they're going to have to be left one-on-one. Do I want to see them chip with Cole Komet? Yes. Do I want to see them move the pocket pretty consistently? I want to see all of that. But on occasion, these young tackles are going to be on an island against quality pass rushers. I'm eager to see how they hold up. Yeah, I mean, this, this is what we've wanted. Better offensive line play so that we can see what Justin Fields can do. But we want to see what good offensive line play looks like. Yeah, and if you're leaving right. these guys on an island, maybe, maybe it looks like two tackles that do their job exceptionally well uh-huh. and give Justin Fields that time without having to chip giving Cole Komet two extra seconds you know, to run that route as opposed yeah. to blocking him. So that, that, that's a good one. I like that. All right, Tyler Buterbar, producer extraordinaire today. Two guys, one on offense, one on defense. Who you got? Most excited to see, not named Justin Fields. All right. Uh, on offense, I'm going with you right there with uh, DJ Moore because, I mean, that was the huge excitement that it got Bears fans with uh, trading that first yeah. overall pick. And we got a little taste of it in that first preseason game of his right. playmaking so ability. He's oh, so fast. So, I mean, I think with how devastating it was that we – the Bears did not have a true number one wide receiver last year. It's nice to see that they have that now yeah. in DJ Moore. So Feels I think that's there. going to be the most exciting to see on offense. Okay. And for defense, I want to see some more out of uh, Kyler Gordon. Because, I mean, I think from yeah. last season, with him being uh, the first guy taken off for the Bears, mm-hmm. there was a lot of high expectations for him. And he didn't really meet to where everyone was expecting him to be. So I'm hoping he takes that jump and then adds on to the possible elite secondary that the Bears could potentially have yeah, this it was, year. Yeah, it was good to see Kyler Gordon kind of get his, his his feet underneath him as the season progressed. And in preseason, he's just looked so much more comfortable. As you were just mentioning a second ago, Ant, with Eddie Jackson taking chances, understanding mm-hmm. where those moments can be. And you see Kyler Gordon having the supreme confidence in himself to make all of every one of those plays he feels like he can make it and do it with an interception. Right. Not just like a batted ball. He's like, no, I'm going to pick that off. Yeah. And so I, I, agree, I agree with you there. I'm excited to see him. A couple of text messages that have come in. Somebody's excited to see Chase Claypool. 
Okay. Says yeah. he has a feeling like he's going to play one. with a chip on his shoulder. I I, I love that. Hmm. I am, am I excited to see Chase Claypool? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not excited to get disappointed. I'll tell you that. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Hmm. Not not anxious to be disappointed if that is the case. But man, if like Chase Claypool go, gets like five. No, that's too many catches. Three catches <laughs> for sixty yards and a tutty. All right. Yeah. Three catches, sixty yards and a tutty. I am. I might buy Chase Claypool, Jason. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Will that make you feel better about the trade? Because that's been the biggest uh, concern about. I know people hate the trade. I have zero problems with the trade. Still, I just I just go back to you know, you know what wide receivers are available. You know, in the draft, I'm talking about right. Mm-hmm. Who you would have gotten had that been the case? You would have had to spend it on a wide receiver. Would you have gotten somebody? What, what what's the success rate of wide receivers taken in the second round? What do they look like? It's just so many things that go into that for me, mm-hmm. especially because we haven't seen the final product of Chase Claypool. How can you say a trade is not there yet if, if you haven't seen everything that he he didn't get a chance to play last year? The whole season. Yeah. He came midway in the season and didn't get a chance to play a ton. Now he gets a whole NFL season with the Chicago Bears. Talk to me at the end of the season, and I'll tell you if it's a bad trade or not. Yeah, I think the the in-season acquisitions of Chase Claypool, of Alex Leatherwood, like, yeah, you you, know, you end up paying a guy like the, the remainder of his rookie deal essentially to make him go away, and he doesn't really fire a shot for you. But I think in the end it was two guys, especially in year one, where the Chase Claypool trade, you go out and get him because your receiver core was putrid. And then pretty quickly after you get – Claypool and Donald Mooney is out, and you know now Chase Claypool was was hurt for a lot of that time too. But your quarterback had proven enough to you as the new general manager, where Ryan Pohl says, "Let me get this guy some help because he's showing some promise, and I, I got to get him some help somewhere. Let me get another playmaking wide receiver, and let me see if I can bring in some more talent on the offensive line because both position rooms were towards the bottom of the league, if not at the bottom of the league, in just raw physical talent." So you bring in a talented Chase Claypool. You bring in a physically gifted Alex Leatherwood and see, can we develop these guys into something here in Chicago? Chase Claypool will still have that opportunity. You've already moved on from Alex Leatherwood. But I think in both cases, it were in-season acquisitions during the season last year where Poles is evaluating that on the fly and saying that our talent on offense is just not good enough. And we got this quarterback who's starting to show that he's got something but it's going to be nearly impossible for him to show much if we don't get him some assistance. Yeah. So he at least made that attempt to get some more help for Justin Fields. Neither guy, you didn't get much out of either one of them last season, but Chase Claypool is still here and will still have the opportunity to make some plays for you this season. Hey, listen, we, 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 we applaud the Cubs front office for doing everything in their power to give Ross as much talent as he needs to create the best team possible to put on the field. Sometimes those players worked out. Christopher Moreau. Sometimes they did. They don't. Matt Mervis. And so, but but you still know you have those guys there to to mm-hmm. contribute and to play with. And I think the same thing should be said for Chase Claypool. Let's not forget, Bears didn't know they were going to get the number one pick. Yeah. Bears didn't know they're going to have the thirty second pick. Right. And, and so, like so many things happen there. You get the number one pick. You, you get rid of your thirty second pick, but you get the number one pick. You get DJ Moore. You get Donald mm-hmm. Wright. Like yeah. so many things happen in that space that like people that complain about that one on one thing it just throws me through a loop. All right, uh, we are going to talk some Cubs baseball. Because the Cubs are a game and a half out of first place. How did they do uh, against San Francisco to finish off their three-game set? We'll play some highlights, give you some recap on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. Cubs talk next on 670 The Score. Luke Little fires. Swing and a miss. It's all over. The Cubs win the ball game. Little 
puts a zero on the board in his big league debut. The Cubs polish off the three-game series with a resounding 8-2 win today. The Cubs are red hot. Cubs, man, they are looking good. A game and a half out of first place. Get the victory today against the San Francisco Giants, sweeping the West Coast team. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, and the mic stand hanging out with you guys on a Wednesday. <laughs> on a Wednesday. Uh, Cubs, man. Okay, let's let's start with Jordan Wicks. Let's just let's just live in that space for a second. It it must be so difficult to come up in the middle of the season and in the in the in the middle of a of a, of a playoff push. In the in the middle of you know, Drew Smiley going to the bullpen. Marcus Stroman getting hurt. You know, you just, what the hell? And then all of a sudden, Jordan Wicks comes up and he's like, Papa, I got this. Give me the ball. I got the best changeup in this organization. And he sure enough handles business today. I think it is exciting to see, but again, is, is it fool's gold? I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. Six and two thirds. Only gave up two earned runs, no homers. Only struck out one, though, in six and two-thirds. Um, his ground ball to fly ball ratio, 14 ground balls, though. Only two fly balls. That 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 right there is why he works well with his team because he got such a great defense up the middle. But are you confident? Not confident, but how confident are you knowing that Jordan Wicks is going to be someone you're going to have to lean on not just for the rest of the season, but in the playoffs. It's asking a lot. It's asking a lot of a, a young pitcher, 24 years old, first time at the major league level. And we've seen examples at times over the years where somebody who's essentially like on that kind of September call-up kind of threshold where the league doesn't have a chance to catch up with them right off the bat. Right. Think what David Price did back in the day. It was like, whoa, this dude's going to win like six Cy Youngs during his career. But he just you know, he looked like that late in the season before folks really knew what to expect from him. So in some ways that can be an advantage when you got a pitcher who can kind of bring the right mentality into it. So I, I think Jordan Wicks is in a, a good position to, to have some strong outings down the stretch while at the same time I, I'm not comfortable with him being one of the – one of the two or three most accounted for pitchers on the Cubs. You know, that that's where having Stroman come back healthy is is really going to be key for this squad because if you get that and you get just some version of what he was earlier in the season, then at least you got someone beyond Steele who, you know, you should have every confidence in for what he can do. And then Hendricks and his kind of veteran savvy and you've seen him go through, you know, every battle in the postseason that a guy could potentially go through. And there's no reason to think he won't, you know, respond to the big stage. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, though, he's not a guy. I don't. I don't think Kyle Hendricks at this point in his career where he steps to the mound. And I say, all right, that's going to be seven innings of of mm-hmm. one run. You know, baseball. Right. That's going to be. You know, ball's going to be in play. You got a good defense behind him. He can kind of gut and grit his way through a bunch of base runners over five or six innings of postseason baseball, and and hopefully that's that's enough to get to the pin and your offense gives you something. But yeah, I think you know it's icing on the cake if Kyle Hendricks really just shuts down an opposing lineup. I just don't think that's that's a point he's at in his career where you just count on that. Yeah. And at the moment, Hendricks has to be your number, your true number two until further notice. So, yeah, you know, I, I think counting on Jordan Wicks is 
Because Javier Assad is the other guy you're looking at in that right. in that space. You're like, all right, so do I? Am I leaning on Jordan <laughs> Wicks in Game Three? Am I going Javier Assad? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what am I doing in, in that in that moment, and what am I going to be deciding on? That's going to be interesting for the Cubs. But it's got to tip your cap. You got to be like, oh my god, you guys. I'm so envious of your front office. You, 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 you had not only were you smart enough to bring him up, mm-hmm. but you had him down there. Yeah, right. So you're talking about an organization, and that, he's developed, and he's developed down there. Three and zero with a two point one six ERA so far this season. I mean, it's just like what else could you ask for? Oh no, our pitch, our ace went down. Let's go to the minors. Oh, Wisniewski doesn't work out. Guess what? Got another guy. Javier Assad is got him. Tyone oh, struggling. Tyone what else? We need another one. Oh, Jordan Wicks, where are you at? Come over here, Papa. Mm. Oh, don't worry. Mullen guy's down. Six and two-thirds. That's what you want? Like, are you kidding me? And then the offense is not letting up, continues to put up big runs. I heard Danny Parkins – actually, it was – no, not Danny Parkins. Uh, Jesse Rogers tweeted out that the Cubs are averaging a tenth of a run more per game than the 2016 Cubs. Ain't that something? That was a good. That was a good team putting up some Wait, big runs. Say that stat again. The current 2023 Cubs are averaging a tenth of a run more oh. than the 2016 Cubs. Huh. So putting up some runs at a high number today. Uh-huh. Was, today was no different. Bottom of the first, says Suzuki coming through, bases loaded, hits a nice double outside pitch in the outside corner, just takes it to opposite field. Just says approach to plate has been awesome, and it's, I I, I want to say that I, I I'm taking credit for it. I said, when I filled in for Hall, on Mully and Hall, I said, say, I was looking up some other random stat, and I found out, and just randomly blurted it out. I said, man, Seiya Suzuki leads the National League in the lowest first pitch swing rate. Okay. It was like at 11%. He was only swinging at 11% of first pitch. So I started thinking to myself, like, damn, that's... That, this is baseball. Pitchers try to get after you. What are uh-huh. you settling in? Right. The very next day, he gets he gets put back in the lineup. He goes two for three, and I go just rant because you know you can look at the mm. you know, pitch selection. Yep. Two of those two of those hits were on the first pitch. There we go. Then two days later, they ask Saya, you know, through his interpreter, what's been going on. He's like, oh, I'm just being more aggressive. I'm jumping after visit. Say I heard you. I could be a I could be a damn hitting coach, bro. Say it was sitting at home and he heard you and he was like on, on, heard. He was listening on the he Odyssey said, app. Heard. That's all he had to do. <laughs> heard. Listen to Gabriel. He said, heard. Said, oh, got the lowest swing rate. Gabe thinks I should swing more. Heard. Heard. Got this. <laughs> well, I think it's working. He's been on fire lately. Yeah, hey, it's damn sure working, uh, man, over the last month. Exactly. Uh, uh so Cubs put And up- apparently he wasn't getting like wasn't getting the call as well, like in, in whatever way that they measure, you know, yeah, the opposing yeah, yeah. pitcher trying to like paint getting the strike, strike zone and mm-hmm. everything. And he was getting kind of the worst calls yeah. uh, in the National League for yeah. a while too. And so that just speaks to one that he's got a very keen eye. But then in addition to that, that if you're not going to get the call and it's near the zone, then yeah, man, just trust your hand-eye coordination, put the bat on the ball, and then That's get on the base. Point. You could be my assistant hitting coach too because that was great right there. All right. Hey, like bat it. on the ball. Put the bat be, on the be ball. Be aggressive like yep. this. And he did both those things. That he did. Uh, putting up three in the first inning for the Cubs, and then in the third they put up two more off the bats of Cody Bellinger and Nick Madrigal. And the fourth, Miguel Amaya hit a bomb. Made it 6 nothing. That one went to deep left center. Christopher Morrell came up in the sixth. Added one more, and then in the bottom of the seventh, Cody Bellinger just being Cody Bellinger. 
another home run. On the day, two for four, two RBIs with a homer, two runs. I mean, when you're looking at that lineup up and down, so many people have been complaining about Ian Happ in the three spot. He just continued to play. He's been continuing to play well over the last couple of weeks. If you look at his game log and just what he's done outside of going for uh, two for four today, he was three for four uh, last game against Cincinnati. You know, he's had, oh my God, look at that. If you go back to just August 23rd, he's had a hit in every game but three since August 23rd. That's impressive. In yeah, two, a couple weeks. Know, exactly. To do that a couple weeks consistently, he's had some multi-hit games in there. So Ian Happ, I guess I'm just supporting him because people have been coming down on him so hard. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, you guys been watching this guy? He's actually been playing well. Um, but the entire lineup, top to bottom, outside of Dansby Swanson, who's you know has been struggling as of late. But, hey, if your defense is there, who cares? Especially if the rest of the team is picking you up. Mike Talkman, you know, after – okay, there there was a weird me. Tyler, I know you're a customer. Patrick Wisdom plays – a short game, gets one at bat, then gets pulled for Mike Talkman, which people were like, why wasn't he playing in the first place, right? Because you moved Co- uh, Cody Bellinger to first instead of Patrick Wisdom. What did you think about that? Like, if there if there's a way to ruin someone's confidence, if you're trying to build it up, it's to give him one at bat and pull him. Because <laughs> I, I immediately looked it up. I was like, did he get hurt? Did something happen? Like, nope, just pulled him. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I mean, to me, that, that seems like a complete buzzkill if that was me and my, and if I was in wisdom situation i mean granted he's had his struggles over the year but i mean just to give him one at bat and then throw talkman in after him I, that was that was odd i gotta say well, salt on the wound right there i'm sure uh, patrick wisdom definitely struggling struggling as of late but man twitter was going crazy when i like trying to find out what happened to patrick wisdom it was literally like 50 percent of the tweets were like i hate patrick wisdom <laughs> and the other 50 percent of the tweets were like uh patrick Wisdom's playing today I guess he's gonna hit a homer because you know it's like whatever he you know he hasn't played in a while and so it was fifty it was, it was split that way but you know he gets he gets a tough rap but the Cubs again you know looking looking good and eat, despite Patrick Wisdom you know only getting that one at bat and that to me is is really one of the good signs about where this roster is at because you know early in the season this year starts out and the question was kind of. Can Patrick Wisdom sustain what we saw him do the second half of last season? And then kind of the first couple of weeks of the year, it looked like maybe he could. And now he's tapered way off since then. But the questions around whether or not a guy at that age who finally got to the bigs at, at a more advanced time in his career. And so you're wondering, like, how sustainable is that truly? Because he's not a guy who had shown this for any extended stretch before now. But if you were counting on, if the Cubs were counting on, a Patrick Wisdom at this point to be kind of a key cog in what they were trying to do, or David Bodie, if they had him back up with the big club consistently, we're counting on a David Bodie to be a key cog, like like brief stretches a few years ago, like, oh, can David Bodie be a part of this thing? And it didn't feel like that should be the type of player that you were really counting on. Or a Nick Madrigal, he's on the roster and he's doing big things, but in context of having Cody Bellinger and Seiya Suzuki and Nico Horner, guys you've, you've spent legit money on to be the guys carrying you, but then having ancillary pieces like Madrigal who can have key moments for you, but just be a small piece of it all. And so if Patrick Wisdom were someone you were really counting on, then I think that'd be a bad thing. But the fact that now they've got point, this lineup to a point where you don't got to count on Patrick Wisdom. If Wisdom happened to get hot, like some of the stretches he had last season or early this year, then that's gravy. Christopher Morrell. You can bring him along 
slowly. And he's just so talented that, yeah, he should be a consistent piece of this lineup because no one else has that type of power that Morrell can bring to the table. And he's had big hits in big late-game moments. So, yeah, he should be out there on a consistent basis. But if he does go cold, you got a lineup that's performing at a level where it's okay for your young big swinger to go cold on occasion. So that's the good thing about the spot they're in right now where if Patrick Wisdom isn't in the mix, cool. Yeah, it can be disappointing for the Wisdom fans or whatever, but it just shows the growth of this lineup over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and the 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 faith that the organization has in their talent. They did not hesitate to move on from Eric Hosmer, mm-hmm. Trey Mancini, first baseman that did not work out, Matt Mervis, Jared Young. I mean, there has been a gaggle of first baseman. That was I like that word. Yeah, thank you. you. Uh, but there has been. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can understand where, hey, you put Patrick Wisdom there because you've gotten rid of four other first basemen. <laughs> Damn it, man. Let me just at least let this guy play a little bit. Uh-huh. All right, you suck. All right, fine. I got to take you out. <laughs> to your point. I got, I got other talented people I can have All here. Right. But, again, it's, it's, not for, it's not for lack of trying or for trying to get the best out of whoever is there. And, you know, they, they have not moved on from Patrick Wisdom just yet because he can be a pinch hit guy that can, mm-hmm. can get you a home run. Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear. So Patrick Wisdom can hit the long ball. to bring off the bench. It's a big bat. Yeah. Especially if someone's struggling and, you know, you get a good matchup, maybe a pitcher that he's seen well. He's someone that can help you. Um, and, and let's not forget, Rossi has a relationship with him, so that plays mm-hmm. into it as well. You're trying to give a guy a break so maybe you can catch him and get him hot leading into the playoffs. I mean, that would be something that they would do. But Cubs start a four-game set. Starting tomorrow, uh, 6.40 p.m., first pitch. Can be heard here on 6.70, the score, home of the Cubs and the Xfinity Cubs radio network. And Javier Assad is on the bump. We were just talking about him. This Cubs pregame right now? No. Starting early? No, no, no. I, don't, I got pregame okay. on Monday. Uh, I got right. pregame on Monday. Yeah. Monday and Tuesday. A playoff. I have I have baseball playoffs, softball playoffs, our radio station softball league yeah. playoffs on Monday, and I still got scheduled to For work. which station? 670 the score. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. yeah, 670 the score. I don't know. You're kind of the ringer. I don't know. You know, I used to be. trying to bring you over there and no, no, no. join I, up with their squad or something. And I used to be back in 2004, 20 years ago. Now that I have a ago. ring around my belly. That's what I have. <laughs> it's a lot different. Uh, I got to lean on the young guys. <laughs> but playoffs are Monday. I'll be missing that one. Uh, but, but Javier Assad against Ryan Nelson. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out uh, that thing. All right. On the other side, I'm going to switch sports again. Talk a little basketball. All right. And because... There is an NBA superstar that was ejected from his FIBA game today. Oh, boy. And they lost as a result of it. So not only missing out on the semifinals, but missing an opportunity to make the Olympics. And so we'll talk about that superstar and the team that won that is going to be going for their first Olympic medal, or medal, I should say, on the national national stage. All right, uh, on the world stage. All right, so when we come back, who is that superstar? And a couple of tidbits from FIBA basketball as we get up out of here. It's Gabriel Ramirez, Anthony Aaron on 670 to score. For the referees and the benefit of the whistle. And a technical foul on Luka Doncic. And two technicals, if I'm not mistaken, that disqualifies you in a FIBA game. And Luka with a sarcastic round of applause for the officials. He didn't like the non-call, and for the second time today, picked up a technical. And that's good defense by Lou Dort. There's no foul there. Very good defense. Boy, oh boy. Luka Doncic out of this game. There was 6.37 left. Like, they still had a chance. No, they didn't. 
they were down almost 20 at that point. <laughs> so he got kicked out, but it just didn't matter. Um, that was Luka Doncic that uh, was ejected from today's game. The loss to Canada, 100-89. to It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on 670 Score. Got a couple more minutes with you. The reason why this is interesting, one, are you? I, I'm like this. I love watching things like this where, like, whether it's an all-star game or, mm. you know, FIBA or the World Cup or the Olympics where you get to see athletes that you wouldn't see paired together okay. normally yeah. playing for their country. I love things like that, right? We love our country in the United States, but we also think we're the best at everything. Mm. So it's it's good to see like this where you're watching a Germany or a Team Canada. Mm. Canada's never received a medal in basketball or won anything like this in basketball before. Oh, wow. So this is their first time. Obviously, there's a ton of pride there. You know, who they have on their team, too. That's interesting. Like, so Luke Dort, he plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he was the one that was guarding Luka Doncic there. Shout out to Sportsnet for that clip, by the way. And the announcer says that Luka was, like, mockingly clapping at the official. He, mm-hmm. he wasn't. If you watch the clip, the official's walking by him that called the technical foul on him. Mm. He's clapping at Luke Dort oh, okay. for drawing, for basically saying, like, you fouled me. Mm. You suckered me into this technical <laughs> foul. Because the rules in FIBA are way different than the NBA. Like, you can't say anything to the referee. Really? Like, Luka Doncic is on the floor, and all he, all he said was like, man, I got fouled. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shut like your a baseball mouth. Up. Okay. <laughs> Shut yeah. your mouth. Technical foul, you're out of here. That's exactly uh-huh. what they did. It was kind of wild. But, yeah, he got kicked out. And then Dylan Brooks got kicked out as well. Now, he's the, the villainous defender Last year played for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now just signed oh, with the Houston Rockets. That guy. The, the LeBron guy. Uh-huh. Poke the bear guy. Right, You know what right, I'm saying? Yeah. So he, and it's so, it's like he can't, he, it's like he makes his story worse. <laughs> and he gets kicked out of the game, and then there's a picture of him holding a boxing glove in the, like, you know, pathway to the locker room waiting for the guy. That okay. he, cause, so he, like, hits a shot. He talks crazy to the guy. And in FIBA, like I said, it's real strict. Uh-huh. You can't talk trash. <laughs> Technical foul, and he got kicked out of the game for talking trash. And when he showed the replay, it's like, it's like a harmless trash talk. Like he hits a buck, he's like, "Yeah, boy, I'm all right. in your stuff. Uh-huh. You're out of here." So then he's pissed with little Dre's. And I'm little Dre. here, right? You teed me up. I ain't even finished saying yeah. him yet. Now I'm gonna get it out. Uh, so him. They yeah. end up winning, but Canada. I wonder what they would have did to Barkley back in there. Remember oh Barkley in, in the Olympics when he elbowed the dude in the chest Nasty. and almost put him in the hospital? And then the guy got his autograph uh, afterwards. Uh, arrested Barkley for that. Yeah. <laughs> they might have. But Team Canada, man, I got to be honest, they are going to give Team USA a fit. If you look at their squad, Lou Dort from OKC Thunder. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is nice. Hmm. Shy Gillius alexander Luka Doncic called him one of the best players in the game. He dropped 31 and 10. Wow. And he's like, it's going to be hard for people to stop him. They have R.J. Barrett from the Knicks, Kelly Olynyk, and Dylan Brooks that we just mentioned. So they have a, you know, an, an NBA squad mm-hmm. on their team where most teams don't, right? With Slovenia, it's just Luka Doncic. If you're looking at Germany, who's one of the, as the other team that is in the semifinals with Team USA and Serbia, Germany has, you know, like Dennis Schroeder, like bench players, you know, like Franz Wagner, things like that. Whereas Team USA is like the truth. But Canada, telling you they're going to be giving people some fits, that's going to be an interesting one that we're going to be watching. USA's next game, semifinal, against Germany that's happening on Friday. Uh, and and then, that was after they lost the other night. They, they lost initially to Lithuania yep. a few nights ago and then responded. 
by taking out uh, who they they lost to Lithuania, took out Italy. Italy. Yeah, beat Italy by almost forty points. Because Italy, not I'm not a fan of that team. No, they knocked out Puerto Rico. Oh, that explains it. All Puerto right. Rico. Puerto Rico scored the most points they had scored. I was wondering, why would you have ill will towards Italy? Okay, that explains it. They scored 102 points against the Dominican Republic. That was like, that to them was their championship. Okay. Two Caribbean islands. Yeah. Dominican Republic has Carl Anthony Towns, who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. He's Dominican. And so, but Team Puerto Rico beats them 102 97. The island's going crazy. (laughs) They're showing all these videos of. All these kids, elementary school kids, every teacher is playing the game. Oh, yeah? And they're all hyped up. It's okay. like playing reggaeton in the back. That bunny's <laughs> playing. It's crazy. They're all going. So, that was the, so they score 102 in that game. And uh, then because they advanced, they play Italy. Puerto Rico was the second in their group. Italy was number one. And so they played each other. And they score like 50 points against Italy. <laughs> Italy's, but then Italy gets worked by Team USA. So, uh, plays down. So yeah, those are the final four teams that are left. Canada guaranteed to to play for a medal uh, for the first time, which is going to be interesting. And then Team USA taking on Team Germany. But, hey, you heard it here first. Team Canada might whoop that ass. Okay. And they might beat them. Yeah. You just, you know how it is when you don't get tested. What is that like? And when you have a team, have you ever been on one of those teams where, you know, you just, you're constantly winning. You never get tested. And then finally when you do in the playoffs or a championship mm-hmm. game, you lose that. Ever it makes a team? difference. It definitely makes a difference, man, because you're not as battle tested once you get to that point. You've had your confidence. Things have felt easy. And then that first time you get punched in the mouth, you're like, wait a minute, how do we respond to this? Isn't this isn't supposed to be how this is going? Because you've just been in this groove, in this flow for so long. And, you know, maybe you have kind of a counter punch in you where you have to kind of jumpstart something. But a lot of times, you know, whether it's a, a regular season where where that's happened, where even if it's a similar lineup, each season kind of is its own you know, ends up being its own little microcosm. But then especially in a tournament like this, where you usually you will have guys who are kind of pieced together from different squads. Like, yeah, you're representing the same country, but most of these guys are professional ballers in their own individual parts of the globe. And the ones who are in the NBA, they're playing with the NBA squads, and then they just go back and represent kind of their mother country, basically. But they're not accustomed to going through this together before. So that's one thing that's interesting with Team USA responding after their loss and then now apparently picking their game up against Italy to see if they can carry that through the medal round. But yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're rolling and things feel easy, it's really, it's, it's kind of a subjective human thing, but it happens a lot of times where somebody kind of falls into a more lackadaisical kind of habit and you don't show up with that same kind of urgency like you should. And you can get ousted by, by anybody here immediately. And again, those games are happening in the Philippines uh, the final will be taking place Sunday, September 10th. All right, Ant, uh, I know you got a ton of things happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about them. What's going on? What yeah, yeah, busy be? weekend, man. Busy weekend. I'm going to be actually in Evanston. I've got the Northwestern football game. It's their first home game of the season. They lost to Rutgers last weekend, so they got a home game in Evanston at Ryan Field this Saturday. So I'll be on the call for the Big Ten Network at 2.30 here local time in Chicago. Obviously, everything that has surrounded Northwestern's program, their athletic department, I've talked about it a lot on Big Ten Radio, Talked about it some on this station as well. But in the end, they have a football season that they're playing. This is a game where actually UTEP, their opponent from Conference USA, a group of five opponents, is actually favored over Northwestern in this game on Saturday. So you don't really see that that frequently, that a Conference USA team would come in and be favored over a Big Ten team. But, you know, Northwestern has had so much off the field that's detracted from anything they could try to accomplish on the field. They honestly didn't play that bad against Rutgers the other day as well. The scoreboard... Rutgers was able to kind of control the game and control the action, but 
you know, Northwestern's defense did okay. And stylistically, the Conference USA squad, UTEP, they like to run the football. They like to play defense. So stylistically, it'll be a matchup that I think, you know, Northwestern will, will be okay. It should be a really competitive game, oddly enough. You think about Conference USA versus Big Ten, but all Northwestern's that, just in a bad place. All that Tyler and I heard because we like to gamble is bet the under. <laughs> Run, defense, yes, Northwestern sir. sucks. Sounds like the under to me. That's all. I, that's what I heard there. Dollar signs <laughs> and the under. Hey, uh, I got a free $10 BetMGM <laughs> bet. I got to use it. Uh, yeah. uh, speaking of, BetMGM tonight is coming up next. Anthony Heron outside of the Northwestern game. Uh, will be seen on Fox 32 Friday and Saturday on yes, Bears sir. on Leash, 9.30 p.m. Make sure you check that out. And then Sunday, all-day Bears coverage on Fox as well with the entire game. All right. Shout-out Tyler Buterball for holding us down. Tyler B. Shout-out to our guests today, a bunch of them that we had, Kevin Fishbane. Fishy business. And Pete Doherty <laughs> as well. All right, mi gente. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, I am Gabe Ramirez. He is Anthony Heron. And this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Boy, am I impressive. What a play by me.